Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 74. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is David Duchovny. The actor, author, and musician is releasing his third studio record tomorrow, entitled Gestureland. In today's episode, we're talking with David about the new record, his creative process, his new novel, and the music of Joni Mitchell and the Beatles. Here we go. Our guest today is a true multi-hyphenate. On top of his well-known roles in shows like The X-Files and Californication, he's also a producer, director, author, and singer-songwriter. Earlier this year, he released his brilliant novel, Truly Like Lightning, and tomorrow he releases his third studio record, Gestureland. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, David Duchovny. Good afternoon where you are. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Of course. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, firstly, happy birthday for a few days. This <laughs> weekend, you. of course. Yeah. Uh, Gestureland, the new record from yourself, the third studio record is out tomorrow. Congratulations. How does it feel to, to finally have these songs out? Oh, it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, last album was 2018 and we were, we were working on this album about a year and a half ago, almost, almost done with it about a year and a half ago when we had to shut down for, I don't know if you heard, but there's a, a worldwide pandemic. Happening. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so that that shut us down for as long as everybody else got shut down. Um, and in terms of making music, it's a very difficult proposition because you're you're in a room and you're expectorating. You know, you're singing, you're blowing into <laughs> wind instruments. It's just it's just a recipe for COVID disaster. So we had to we really had to wait. And we were we were very close to being finished. We had we had horns to go and and harmonies and those things that were dangerous in a room. So uh, it gave us a long time to kind of sit with the songs, which I think in the end was a, a good thing because as we sat with them, we, we kind of expanded our production palette a little bit. I kind of, you know, was we were able to kind of play around with arrangements and versions of songs more than we might have had we just kind of rushed to get it out, you know, when, when we were actually doing it. So I, I, I feel good about it because we came more together as a band um, more together as kind of a musical um, entity, I think, where, where you know, it's not like my ideas and they're trying to embody them or, or musically embody them. It's more like a negotiation and we're all having ideas and we're all kind of pitching 
in the room and pitching sounds and pitching rhythms and pitching, you know, how does this, how does the song want to come across? Cause for me, it's always about, you know, the emotionality of a song. Usually I write a song. I want it to have, usually I'm writing, if I'm writing a song, it's usually like, I want to get something across some kind of a feeling. And I want to, I want it, I want it to come across. And sometimes as you go through the many iterations of the song and production, you know, it'll go from <clears throat> me in a room with a guitar pressing record on my garage phone and singing it. And, you know, my iPad going dark at one point and I can say fuck and then I punch my <laughs> iPad again and I, I pick it up. So it's like that. And sometimes as we go along, as bad as that first version is, it has an emotionality that I start to lose. So that's something that we go, we go, we go back and forth on as, as a band. It's like, I don't know what's going on guys, but, but this song is no longer affecting me. And I don't think it's because I've heard it a thousand times as we've been trying to do it. I, I think, I think we've lost the basicness of it somewhere. So let's go back and try to find that. So that's uh, that's very interesting to me too. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I can imagine that, especially if you're sitting with these songs for where are we now, like 18 months or so, that there might be the inclination to kind of like go back, re-listen and, and touch up, not everything, but yeah. it, I imagine that it takes some restraint to not completely change everything. Well, I, I, I have had a lot of experience with this, just making TV and, and movies where, or even writing where you, and I just had this conversation with these collaborators that I have for um, adapting my book into a show. And I said to them, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make changes because they're doing the bulk of the writing, but I'm going to get it and I'm going to make changes and I'm going to have ideas. And then there's going to come a point where I'm going to start to make it worse. Like I'm going to be making it better. I'm going to be making it better. And then I'm going to start making it worse. And I, I don't know when that time comes. <laughs> I always, I'm always trying to make it better. I mean, I'm trying to make it worse, but there comes a point where I think I lose the, the thread of the original inspiration or something and I start to make it worse. And I think the same thing with a song. So you do have to, and with editing, like with editing a movie or a, a television show, you can, you can play with seconds and milliseconds till you could, you could years you could do it. I mean, they, they say you never, you never finish a movie. They just take it away from you. And that's partly true. Uh, I guess with music, I guess there are some famous examples where people have had too much time and they've muddied the original impulse. Um, but I'm aware, I'm aware that I can get to, it's not perfectionism either. It's just, I think it's 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 too much distance from the original inspiration, and then you start to turn the song into something that it's not. I am. You just a second ago you touched on um, the book that you're turning into to a TV show. We're not a we're not usually a props kind of podcast because obviously it doesn't really work with the medium. We do have this here. We didn't <laughs> want to touch on. <laughs> um, because you are quite prolific in, in your output of work. I'm curious how do you differentiate or how you are able to kind of work out what might be appropriate for the book and then what might work for, for songwriting, whether that lapses at any point. 
that doesn't quite lapse. Um, what what I, I think the what how I would answer that is that when when turning the uh, book into a TV show, there are differences there. What might work in a book might not work in a TV show, and vice versa. But you know, I'm a man of limited ideas, so if I get an idea, it it, it I'm going to ask: Is this a song idea? Is this a story idea? Is this a pilot idea? Is this a novel idea? So that's that's how that happens. Usually, just mm, that feels like a song. I I, I I I don't think I've ever like mistaken a song for a novel or a novel for a song. Perhaps uh, it seems those two things as ideas occur to me very very differently. Um, so I don't really get confused that way. But uh, certainly. Certainly, I get inspired to listen to different kinds of music when I'm writing, and and then that will affect my what, what kind of music I'll be writing. I think it's impossible not to be influenced by what you're listening to. Yeah, of course. the The collaboration process with your band, I know that it um, it is kind of like you'll bring in some ideas, they'll bring in some ideas. How do you find that? process with them and I guess what are some of the pros of that and then what are some of the the cons has there ever been a time where they've come back with something and been like no this is this is shit <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it's ever I've never said shit but it's but I think it's what I said to you earlier it's like that I'm losing the song I'm losing the the the, the emotional element and uh what uh, and usually in the beginning it was Mostly, I would I would send them what I thought was basically a finished song, you know, not not with instrumentation or anything, but you know, just me playing on guitar. And they'll pitch different like chord changes. Sometimes they'll they'll take it into a different key, you know, things like that. And we'll just play around with it. Uh, they'll they'll write more. They'll add a bridge or they'll you know tweak the chorus, things like that. It's very very back and forth. Um, but in the last album, there was more of them coming to me. <clears throat> like there were a couple of times where I just dumped a bunch of lyrics on them. I think they had said, do you have any lyrics lying around? So I have a bunch of words. I don't know if they're lyrics. So I dumped them on and, and on them. And then uh, Colin came back, uh, with some of them that I totally forgotten about. Cause that was like a year after I did that. He had the song Tessera, which is like the second single from this album. And I just thought it was so beautiful what he'd done with it. And I was like, oh, uh, where did you get those lyrics? He's like, those are your lyrics. I was like, oh, I, didn't, you know, I didn't even remember. And um, he only had like he only had like one verse in the chorus. And I was like, and Colin has done that a couple of times. He did it with a song called Marble Sun, where it's like he just had a verse in the chorus. And I was like, I can't believe you because this is a beautiful song. Why would you just want to leave it as a fragment? You know, I was like, "What? Well, let's let's write another verse or two." You know, it's like, so he's very um, he's humble that way. I mean, I say that. same with Tesra. I was like, "That's a song. That's a beautiful song. Let's let's write another verse. Let's let's clean it up." Yeah. Oh yeah, I was going to touch on on Tessera because it is a it's a gorgeous song. It is one of like the the softer moments of the record. Yeah. And um, you're singing, I think, in both Spanish and Latin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. I wouldn't have expected, but I, it, it's still very impressive. Um, you can't speak Latin, but you can think. <laughs> hey, that's, it's still better than me, David. You're still killing it on that, that front. Um, the, 
I'm curious, like I know that you said it was kind of like a, a fragment, but do you remember the original inspiration for, for the lyrics for that song? Yeah. 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 For the, for the lyrics. Yes. Um, that's what it's, it's what it became. I mean, for me, it was uh, a Tessera in my understanding. And I never really checked or Googled to see if it's true. So if you're listening out there and I'm wrong, I'm only wrong because I'm wrong. The song isn't wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> so within the song, uh, Tessera meant to me like a mosaic tile. Like uh, when I studied English, they use this term Tessera. Um, I don't remember where, but it was kind of a, it was like a trope of some kind of, of like a, of trying to interpret something, but you didn't have enough of the code. You only had like one mosaic tile. It was almost like you had a remainder of, of a meaning. You had a little piece of meaning of something that used to be a big meaning. And you just had this thing, this beautiful colored tile, part of a mosaic. Literally, I think a tessera is a piece of mosaic tile. Um, so in my mind, I just started, I think at that point, just thinking about the kind of process of getting older, not myself, but of my parents and friends' parents. And we kind of, you know, you, people say, yeah, they lost the plot or whatever, but that's, you know, that's, that's a joke. I and mean, it was like just the idea of... The mosaic kind of splintering a little bit and being left with images, pieces, thoughts that are kind of no longer related to the, the whole. You, know, you lose the integration of the world in your mind. And I thought that struck me as, a, as an emotional kind of a basis for a song, but also the fact that if we're being honest, you know, it's not just old people. Obviously, they suffer that physically. But um, I think if we're being honest, our, our whole lives are these kinds of fragmented, trying to make big pictures out of whatever. Look at my hands. Just I have this plant, you know, these little these little things in my hands. And I'm trying to make a whole life out of it. And I, I lose track of it. And it's just this back and forth between the piece and the whole. So... That's that's kind of where I came from. And then Kesara just rhymed, and uh, it just came to me. I mean, what else rhymes with Kesara? I mean, I don't think anything. So um, it was like, oh, oh that, that also thematically, it, it kind of fit in the way I was thinking. Um, even though I don't say Kesara, which is whatever will be, will be. I repeat Kesara, but it was that thought, you know, this disintegration is inevitable. It's Kesara, it is, um, yeah, it is a gorgeous song. And as, as you just said, it is well, kind of addressing some of the more, I guess. Um. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. serious things that, that we are going through in the, the human experience um some of the well, other- yeah I mean, that's what that's what i try to do in, in my songs is you know obviously that, that this is a good example i mean if you if, if you care to hear but it's like i start with something personal and i try to i don't try to i'm not writing confessional or i'm not like writing allegorically or connect the dots or anything like that i'm just i'm trying to make it universal so i take this this sense of getting older which is not mine necessarily but looking at older people in my life and then i i tried to make it universal as something that you don't have to be old to relate to yeah definitely yeah the some of the other things you touch on in the record there's one song uh that addresses it almost head-on with still yeah. Obviously, a bit of subtlety is laying on the tracks, which came out at um, around election season, dealing with yeah. a certain um, certain gentleman or addressing a certain gentleman. Yeah. Probably too nice of a word to use for him, but that's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, as I call the, the stupid orange man in a cheap red hat, yes. <laughs> I, I think that's how he prefers to be addressed. <laughs> when you are i guess approaching um something that that is as political as that how do you find that balance of trying to you know have some subtlety in it and and not just call him or whoever it may be out point blank well i think i think it's it's a fine line and i don't think i don't think that i walked it i mean obviously if you write a line if i write a line like a stupid orange man and a cheap red hat it's not it's not anything but name calling. I mean, that's all it is. It's not. It's not addressing his policies or you know anything like that. It's not. It's not smart. You know, I, it just it just struck me as funny and apt. But in in the song, we you know we, we, that was a song that we kind of came together off of a couple different fragments that we've been playing around with. It wasn't like an integrated song off the bat, and uh, we had one verse that was kind of personal and vague that Colin had actually written. And then we had the second verse that was kind of political. And then we were just playing around with it. And I said, let's just, you know, lean into that political thing. I've never done that. Let's just let's just make this political song. And then, and then I was like, let's get it out before, you know, because then we shut down COVID and everything. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I said, is there any way we can get this out before the election? Not because I imagined I had any kind of mass swaying power of the vote or any kind of deluded sense like that but i just kind of wanted to go on record and saying i don't like this guy i don't like what he's doing uh, 
I wish you did vote for someone else. Uh, but but uh, it was almost like that sense of, I forget what it was. It was some great speaker who said, you know, we have to throw our shoulders to the wheels of the, of the machinery and, you know, stop them. So it was my sense of like laying on the tracks to stop this, this train. Um, and, you know, I was satisfied aside from that line, which I liked, but, I, but uh, as I admit, it's just stupid name calling and incendiary and it's going to turn off anybody that has any kind of openness to this guy. And they're going to say, well, fuck that song. You know, you're just calling him. How dare you talk about a president like that? Um, so, you know, that's not a winning strategy in terms of like changing somebody's mind. But I think if you look at the, the lyrics, they're, they're more introspective. The other lyrics are more introspective than that, you know, and it's really, it's not just name calling this guy. It's also pointing a finger at me and saying, I turned away. I wasn't involved. That that's a shameful thing for me, you know, because how could I not notice your suffering? How could I not respond to your suffering? I I'm guilty of that. Um, I'm guilty of seeking attention in the first verse. I think, you know, the part of me that, needed love i had something like that i had to i had to kill you know i had to i had to kind of deal with this needy part of myself to become a more whole person so there's a lot of underneath that one line uh there's a lot of introspection which i i feel better about the song you know it's not just like fuck trump fuck you fuck 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 <laughs> which that one line is but which is fine you know i think there's a place for that song because the guy certainly deserves it but um that's not this song you know of course i think that would have been a lot less subtle and might have caused a bit more of a <laughs> attention good or bad there is, um, there is a song i think there is a song called uh fuck trump i think there I was think, a song uh, who's it it's by yeah. i'm i'm gonna it's get it wrong bad. it's a hip-hop yeah. song where it just literally says fuck trump which yes, is yeah yes hip-hop song <laughs> yeah um, the last track I wanted to talk about on the album before we get to your playlist is Call Me When You Land, which is this beautiful ambient almost like um, song. Is that, I guess, kind of a, a sonic soundscape we could see you moving towards in future records? That's a really um, good song to, to single out be, be, uh, in regards to our, our early, the earlier part of our conversation because that was a song that was very moving to me when I wrote it. And because it was about my kids, it was about, you know, it was really, I'd always want to write my cats in the cradle. Like I cried that song all the time. I was like, I, I got to write my cats in the cradle. You know, I was like, there's two songs I want to write. I want to write my cats in the cradle. And I can't remember what the other one is. Fuck. But anyway, <laughs> I want to write my cats in the cradle. So I was like, okay, this is an idea. This is a cast in the cradle idea. Call me when you land. You know, when your kid gets on a plane for the first time and you're dying, and you know, just like call me when you land. And like, okay, that's the cast in the cradle idea. Now I write the song, and I'm moved by it, and we start to play around with it. And uh, it took us a long time because I stopped being moved by it. I was like, no, what's going on here? Like, there's too much going on. I'm losing the drive, the emotion drive of the song, and. Uh, I, I I really was hard, I think, on Pat and Colin and Mitch about it because, you know, they're not parents either. So I was like, no, you have to, this is this song should like should really make you feel something. And, uh, you know, I kept on saying no, 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 no. And then finally, you know, we got to this and I was like, 
okay, and now I'm starting to feel it again. And and I think it was that ambient sound that you talk about was really something that they created. That's not something that I would ever. You can't like write that on a guitar, you know. <laughs> so I, I I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't. So that was really Colin and Pat kind of you know starting to jazz it up a little bit, have some jazzy kind of chords, and then and then create that sound for it that, that I think ultimately really worked. It is um it is a gorgeous song and I think it, it does kind of have elements. I might not have gotten there myself, but you mentioning Cats in the Cradle, I think that does kind of, yeah, fit into that same wheelhouse, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's the, it's the sense that a parent has when their child has grown of the things that you did, that you did wrong or that you missed, you know, and it's universal in that way. And it's not, again, there's nothing specific in there. It's all very cliched images, which I like to work in and try to, try to make them you know new again in some recombination so um, of course yeah yeah david would you be happy to talk about the playlist that you sent through yeah go ahead i can't remember it but just tell it to me <laughs> <laughs> um it is a, a it's an absolutely classic playlist you've got some Bob Dylan, some Lou Reed. Uh, we've got yeah. Al Green. I'm curious. Yeah. There's um one Beatles track, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Out of all yeah. the Beatles tracks that, that you could have <laughs> picked from, uh, why does this one stand out to you? Well, you know, it's an impossible task to ask for 15 <laughs> songs because if I sat down today, I would probably write 15 different songs and I could probably not repeat any of those for a week, you know? So, um, that was just me sitting down and, and I was like, I'm not going to sweat this. I'm not going to like try to game it, try to come off a certain way. I'm just going to like whatever comes to mind, desert Island. I'm stuck with these songs for the rest <laughs> of my life. Um, while my guitar gently weeps, I just, I find it very moving. I find it, um, I learned how to play. It was one of the first songs that I learned how to play on the guitar. So I'm kind of attached to it that way. Um, I've just always, I, I had the white album when I was a kid, you know, it was really, it was probably the first, maybe the first Beatles song that I heard for the first time when everybody else heard it for the first time, you know, like the, the other Beatles albums, I think came to me from the past, but this was like 19. 69, 70, and I actually had the White Album when it was out, and I listened to that song, and I just remember loving it and loving Eric Clapton. I didn't know it was Eric Clapton, but I loved Eric Clapton's lead, and I thought it was so beautiful. And, um, you know, I just love the song. I love the sentiment. You know, the lyrics are, you know, if you see them on a page, they're very cliched kind of and soft, but in, in the song itself, I mean... I'd be scared to write a lyric while my guitar gently weeps. I mean, it's like, really? <laughs> but, you know, God bless George Harrison for having the balls to, to do it, and it, and it works. It, um, it's definitely, yeah, as if I'd never thought of it like that, but he said it's an interesting line to write and actually come across succinctly and not, um, yeah, not in a kind of corny or schmaltzy way. So, um, yeah, I mean it's amazing when you when you like look at the lyrics, 
which I didn't when I wrote it down, but I'm thinking, I, I know I look at the floor and I notice and I see it needs sweeping. I mean, it's clearly just a rhyme for weeping. I mean, it's like it has no business. And yet it's, it works. It works beautifully. It works. You know, it yeah. has no business in the song, right? And that's one of the great things about about lyric writing is the rhymes will force you into places that aren't logical. And sometimes they're blatantly reaches like this and then sometimes they don't work they fail spectacularly but not in this case yeah i can definitely agree with that um there's some other fantastic singer songwriters on the playlist as well including uh, neil young and Joni mitchell uh the song you picked by Joni mitchell woodstock what does this song mean to you or what memories do you have of this song uh, i think the the first time i heard that song would have been the crosby stills nash young version and it I didn't know originally that, that she'd written it. Um, but I think, you know, Joni Mitchell is just such a unique uh, voice. I don't know how she, I don't know how she tunes her guitar. I can, I could never get my guitar to sound like hers. So, you know, everything about her writing and her playing and her singing is unique. I mean, it's, there's nobody sounds like Joni Mitchell. And lyrically, she's fantastic, just really smart. And that, that song is really a capsule of the 60s. You know, it really sums up. And I never knew that the rhyme was, uh, you know, I knew it was, we got to get back to the garden. But I didn't know she was rhyming garden with carbon. You know, she says, we're a million-year-old carbon. And it's kind of hidden in the mix. I was like, Wow. Again, there's another example. Like, you're going to rhyme carbon with garden? All right. <laughs> Not me, but you go ahead and do it, and it works. It works really nicely. Um, we're definitely picking apart some singer-songwriters today. I like it. Um, <laughs> uh, Mazzy Star. Yeah. Mazzy Star, Fade Into You. A gorgeous yeah. song from the 90s. Yeah, that's an ambient kind of a sound, you know. That's yes, a, yeah. And that's also another voice that is unique. And uh, they always seem to be just a perfect uh, blend of voice production and sentiment. You know, if a song ever sounded like it was fading into you, it's that song. And that's what that song is. You know? This is a great sense of longing in it and regret almost. I like it. I love it. It is. I feel, um, yeah, I think you just hit the nail on the head. That song does almost sound exactly like what it's doing um in terms yeah, of yeah. yeah audibly being something that you're fading into um david yeah. congratulations again on gesture land it is out tomorrow worldwide and um, thank you very much for being on the podcast thanks for rising early for me our show a massive thank you to david to for his time gesture land is out tomorrow and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy or stream the record we also want to give a huge shout out to erica tooker for helping out with today's interview you can find a link to our spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of david's picks if you like this show please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released we release new shows each thursday and friday morning with guest playlists streaming on spotify at the same time you can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.